Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, where you can get now 280 characters of my thoughts at all times. And you can follow Union Street Hoops on iTunes or NWI.com. Go there, listen, subscribe, click on every advertisement on NWI.com, and then send it to your friends and have them click on every advertisement. And just leave the page open on your desktop for, like, hours and hours and hours. You know what? I actually don't know how to monetize any of the things I just told you how to do, and that's fine. I don't do this for the money. I do this for the love of the game, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and listen and leave us a note. Shoot me an email if you'd like to, pgmado at gmail.com, or hit me up on Twitter. Let me know if there's any guests that you'd like to hear on Union Street Hoops or if there's any thoughts you have about the program or episodes that we've done in the past. This is episode number 41, and we are excited to get going here on a season-opening edition of Union Street Hoops. Yes, it is Friday, and Valpo is going to open up today against North Park, the alma mater of Valparaiso Director of Athletics, Mark LaBarbera. And then on Monday night, they'll play Trinity Christian at the Athletics Recreation Center, getting those first two games out of the way before going on Wednesday to play their first Division I game of the year and their first road game at SIU Edwardsville. And then Valpo will be back in town the next weekend as they play their home games as part of the Savannah Invitational. Looking forward to a wonderful season. Uh, some big recruiting news yesterday. Not really big news because we knew it was happening, but uh, Javon Freeman Liberty, which I believe I'm saying that correct, Javon, J-A-V-O-N, Freeman Liberty, a guard out of Whitney Young High School, signed his national letter of intent, officially joining the Crusaders for the 2018-19 season that's coming up. Freeman Liberty is the nephew of former Illinois star and NBA player Marcus Liberty. And let me tell you, if you're looking for some motivational uh, just speeches or motivational things throughout the day, throughout the week, give Marcus Liberty a follow on Twitter. He's always got something interesting and motivational to say. I want to run through a brick wall when I read his tweets. So Valpo's got one scholarship left during his media availability session earlier this week. Valparaiso coach Matt Lodick said he told the players, told the coaches, uh, unless it's a home run, we're going to save it and wait for a transfer. So I would suspect that at some point next offseason, you will see Valpo picking up a transfer, and that transfer would have to then sit the 2018-19 season and would be eligible the following year. Don't know who that's going to be. I bet the person who's going to take that scholarship doesn't even know they're going to transfer yet. We'll see how all of this unfolds. What I do know is the Crusaders tip off their season tonight, and we tip off the season opening edition of Union Street Hoops, episode number 41. We've got two special guests in this episode. First of all, a guest I never thought we'd book, but very happy to have her on the program. Kylan Lodick is going to join us today to talk about a really, really good, fun event that she's doing on uh, on Monday. A really, you know, just a wonderful thing. It's called Crusaders Care, Shedding Light on Foster Care. And what she's doing is she's going to, she's helping to, to bring in uh, some some gifts that, that they can then deliver to foster children in Porter County. And Kylan Lodick will talk much more about that later on in the program. We also have the voice of the Crusaders, Todd Eichau, to drop by to let us know his thoughts on the upcoming 2017-18 basketball season and where the Crusaders fit. I asked him about a couple of players. I let him talk about a few on his own. We do some comparisons of what some of these younger players who they may be like and, and some of these transfers who they may be like, and, and I think you'll, you'll enjoy that. 
Looking looking ahead to the weekend, I, I, I think, uh, you know, the news, if you haven't heard by now, Valpo is going to be without two of their players on opening night and the second game of the season. Jay Soroya has got to miss two games, uh, arrested for underage drinking um, at a party last year. Uh, you know, purportedly went and had had a drink or two at dinner after a game, went to a party that night, yada, 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 underage drinking. Doesn't matter that he can drink in Spain. He's not in Spain right now. He was arrested. He's got to sit two games. And then Joe Burton was arrested at the end of January for marijuana possession, and he's got to sit two games as well. And, and so the Crusaders will be down two starters the first two games of the year. Suspect that Derek Smits will slide into the starting lineup in place of Soroya, and Max Joseph will start alongside Bakari Evelyn, and you will also see Tavon Walker and Parker Hazen in the starting lineup. Parker Hazen is an interesting interesting player to look at. There's a, there's a blog post up on NWI.com, Inside VU Sports blog that I write. Basically, it, it, it asks the unfair, totally unfair question, is Parker Hazen the next Alec Peters? I, I, I want to bite my tongue when I even ask the question because I think it's unfair, but I also think it's totally fair. I'm not asking if Parker Hazen is the next senior year Alec Peters. I'm asking, is Parker Hazen the next freshman year Alec Peters? And to that end, I also understand that Parker won't be asked to do as much as Alec Peters was his freshman year because there's a lot more talent surrounding him. You know, if you can remember back to that season, there was Levante Doherty and Jordan Coleman and Bobby Capabianco and Musa Gay. But, you know, I would say that while those players were very good, I, you know, the pedigree that Bakari Evelyn and Joe Burton have and, and the experience that Tavon Walker has and, you know, the depth that this team has probably better than that 2013-14 team that uh, ultimately bowed out of the Horizon League quarterfinals against Milwaukee, getting out-rebounded 41-19, to not getting an offensive rebound in the game. I don't think that's going to happen with this team. I think that they've got a, uh, a, a bit of a higher ceiling than Alec Peters' freshman year team. But the question about Parker Hazen is will he be able to live up to I'm sure the unfair expectations that fans are going to put on him. And why are they going to put those expectations on him? He is a, for the lack of a better word, he is a white power forward from a small agricultural community, much like Alec Peters. They have a bit of the same look to them, you know, kind of a, a rugged, uh, although Alec was a bit more baby-faced as a freshman. But uh, I, I just, uh, you know, in, in Todd Eichow, I ask him about this, and I think you'll be interested to hear he doesn't compare him to Alec Peters, but he does compare Parker Hazen to another Valpo all-time great, somebody who I think is in danger of being kind of grossly overlooked for how good he was in a Valpo uniform, and we'll wait for that. An interesting uh, story that I want to share with you that's completely unrelated to anything that has to do with anything right now is, uh, but something that I really want to share because I think it's it's, it's unique, sad, tragic, and funny all at the same time. Uh, last night, I you know I was doing a little bit of research on the Valpo basketball program, and Aaron Levitt was telling me about Freeman Liberty and saying that he is the second player with a hyphen in his name to join the Valpo basketball program. You can take a minute or two. Well, take you know, pause it if you'd like or take five seconds, whatever, and try to come up with who the other player is who played at Valpo with a hyphen in their name. Okay, I've given you enough time here to either pause or come up with it on your own. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Jr. was the only other player that has played at Valpo who's got a hyphen in his name. And after Aaron told me that, I went to the all-time roster to look and I wanted to see, uh, actually, I, I mean, I believed Aaron, obviously, but I wanted to see, did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar go with Junior and his last name on the all-time roster? And so I, uh, I went to the all-time roster, which I haven't gone to that page in quite some time, and I was very shocked to see that there was a player who played from 1979 to 1981, played for two years on Valpo's team by the name of Oren Dillard. 
Now, you can obviously understand why this appeals to me. My last name is Oren, and I don't know how many, you know, I don't see that name very often, right? Particularly spelled the way that I spell it, O-R-E-N. Oren Hatch uh, is, uh, what, a senator, I think, and, and, and his name has been out there. But O-R-E-N is one that I've not seen quite a bit in, in a lot of places. So I, uh, I thought, well, let's, do, let's find Google here and let's go see if we can find Oren Dillard. And I thought, this is interesting. Uh, so I, I Google his name. Sadly, I found an Oren Dillard in the Chicago Tribune who died in 2003 and didn't have at the age of 42, which doing reverse math would put him right around that t- that age of being a, a college basketball player, 21, 22 years old, uh, you know, around that time. And so I thought, well, that's that's probably him. But, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know where Oren Dillard's from. I didn't really know anything about it. Uh, the only media guides I have go back to uh, the year after he graduated. I don't have anything from 79, 80, or 80, 81. So I re- read his obituary because if you Google a random person, chances are if, they're, if they've passed away, you're going to find their obituary. So I look at his obituary, and he is survived by his father, Owen Dillard Sr., and his wife. And granted, this obituary is from 14 years ago. And two sons, uh, Brandon Dillard and Brian Dillard. Okay, well, I thought, well, let's Google one of these guys and find out if they're athletes, you know. And I'm not sure what their age was, but if they're 42 in 2003, you know, probably stands to reason that they're probably— had an athletic career at some point in the the early uh, to mid-2000s or even later. And and so I Googled Brandon Dillard. And also a Chicago Tribune article, I found Brandon Dillard uh, was charged with first-degree murder, and then the charges were dropped uh, for shooting somebody over a dice game. Now, here is the interesting thing. I, I, I don't know that that Brandon Dillard is related to Oren Dillard, nor do I know if that Oren Dillard that passed away is the Valpo's Oren Dillard. I have no idea. And uh, I just I thought it was interesting, and it just shows you where the Internet can take you at 1130 on a Thursday night when you're, uh, or Wednesday night when you're, when you're Googling things and trying to find weird information. And I don't think I've, I've stopped with my, with my uh, Oren Dillard stuff that I want to look for. I, you know what? The guy's got my last name. I want to, uh, as his first name, which I think is pretty cool, I want to learn a little bit more, and we'll see here. And, uh, you know, you never know what you might find when you do a little bit of research on the Internet. So, okay, without further ado, really excited to have her on the program. Uh, first time that we've had Kylan Lodick on the program, and I think she's going to have some really, really interesting things to say uh, about, A, her, her time sitting in the stands, and some of the post-game conversations she has with Coach Matt Lodick. And then listen as Kylan explains this wonderful thing that's going on on Monday at the Athletics Recreation Center. And we're joined now by a very special guest, the matriarch of the Valparaiso basketball program, Kylan Lodick, is on the program. How are you liking uh, Valpo basketball so far? I love it. I've been really excited about the year. Of course, over the offseason, you're nervous about the new players in the team, but in those first couple of games, it's been really exciting to see the, um, the way that they work together and have so much energy. It's been a lot of fun. You are a former player. You played at Arizona State. You started for all four years at Arizona State. I actually did some brief research, and you started for all four years in high school. You went eight years of starting basketball games. You're a pretty good uh, guard. Uh, is it when you're in the stands watching the games, do you get that itch to want to be back there on the floor? Um, no, not so much. I, uh, I think the itch is more just the competitiveness that comes out, and I have to be careful to not yell too much in the games <laughs> and uh, save face a bit there, but... No, I just I really do enjoy I enjoy watching and um, and being a fan and uh, rooting on the Crusaders. But um, no, I'm, I'm I'm my playing days have long long been done. So do you? Uh, you know, we've heard the term like Monday morning quarterback, where you know there's a lot of people who who think they're better than the coaches in football or better than the quarterbacks. 
how how do you critique Coach Lodic after the? I mean, do you do you say, hey, maybe that substitution pattern didn't work? How do how do those conversations take place? Well, I feel like I'm lucky because I I am married to someone who actually does enjoy somewhat of feedback or a friendly conversation about the game. <laughs> but I try I try because I know how uh, difficult it is to make certain decisions and go with them. And so I try to be as supportive as possible. But I will definitely say, you know, oh, you guys should have been doing this or you should have been doing that. And I know that um, obviously it's all hindsight 2020, you know. But um, I'm lucky. He enjoys talking basketball with me, which is a lot of fun. And we, um, depending on the day or the, the game, it can get heated or it can be uh, – <laughs> conversation so well very good the reason why we have you on the program right now is a really special thing that you're doing on monday night and want to tell the valpo fans about this and and really you know i just wanted to give you the the forum to uh you know appeal to what you're working on it's called crusaders care shedding light on foster care and you're doing some work right now here in porter county to try to raise awareness and really just to try to give to kids some some stuff that they may need. Uh, how did you get involved in this, and, and what is going on on Monday night, the game against Trinity Christian? Well, you know, Paul, I would have to say that when you ask me about my competitiveness today up in the stands, I will say that this is definitely where my my passion is is uh, falling at right now in, in this stage of life that I'm in. And being a mom of four, you know, you can kind of imagine what it's like for kids uh, that have a rough home life. And um, I'm lucky to be a part of a staff where um, all the wives come together and we we think of ways to show love to people, the community, using the platform that our husbands have been given and these players have been given. And so it's more than basketball for, um, for us, and it's more than basketball just in life, these young players, what they have on their plate. And so, uh, yeah, we just, I think last, Year, Cheryl Gore um, brought up that she really had a, a heart to help kids in foster care. And, you know, when, when we see that one of the wives or anyone has something that's really been on their heart, we see ways that we can, um, you know, really, you know, use that and, and support our community. And so through research and, you know, um, talking a lot and praying, we've, we kind of decided to do this event. And I, it's a great event. It is on a Monday evening, which is a school night, but even if families can come for, you know, to halftime until bedtime, uh, what it is is you will um, bring a donation of a nightlight or a teddy bear, and I will say that you can get them anywhere from Menards to, you know, five and below, so it doesn't have to be expensive by any means. And um, that will give you one ticket into the game per donation. So your whole family can bring donations, and all of you enjoy a family night out. And um, what this will do is these donations will go to children in foster care. When children are removed from the home, they are unable to take their favorite teddy bear, that blanket that really comforts them in the middle of the night when they're scared. They're unable to, to remove those things from their home and take them to this new home. And a lot of times the new home, they don't know the people that live there. And the, the bedroom is all new. And so at night when it's dark and stuff, the fact that they don't have any of their own stuff can be a really hard thing for them. So uh, the social workers with um, DCS Porter County, we will um, give these donations to, and they will be able to gift these to the children as they remove them from a home and take them to the new home. So it's a, it's a great event. I think a lot of people that um, don't know how to love on foster kids and don't know how to give back in that way, this is a very tangible way to do that. So we're we're glad we're able to offer it, and we just hope a lot of people will come out to support. And so, again, it's it's if you donate a nightlight or a stuffed animal on Monday, November 13th, you get one entry into the game, and, and a family of four, you bring four, ent- four donations, you can get four tickets into the game uh, or, or something like that, one ticket per donation per person. Also, I'm seeing here foster families can bring their foster care license and get in free. And uh, it's a great event. And obviously, if you need more information about this event, uh, 219-464-6114. Um, 
what uh, so so you'll get the donations on Monday will in, in later on in the week you'll take them over you said yeah so we'll we'll receive all the donations Monday and then we're gonna put them in bags and our awesome um, young men of Valparaiso men's basketball team will fill up these bags with toiletries and add to the teddy bears and nightlights and then um, they will be gifted to um, the DCS and they'll be given out as soon as as soon as needed, so um, it'll be an immediate gifting. And, you know, we, we both, I think, looked into some numbers, and it was kind of hard to pin down some numbers, but, but foster care, it's it's an issue in northwest Indiana and Porter County, and, and, and are, obviously you're seeing a, a need for something along these lines, correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we do live in an area that um, it can look as if everything uh, looks good in Valpo. You know, there's people that... Um, are doing things the right way. They're, um, they have nice homes and stable jobs, but um, there are a lot, of, a lot of families and a lot of um, hardship in our area. And I think the more people look into it, the more they'll see that there are families and, and children that are going through some hard times. And so therefore there have been a lot of kids in foster care and there are not a lot of um, enough foster homes actually in our area. So that is another thing. If you are interested and you come to the event and make a donation and you're interested and you feel really pulled to foster a young child that's going through a hard time, there will be an informational booth set up at the game um, and there will be a social worker there, a DCS worker, that would love to answer questions, give you pamphlets and information. Um, so that you can go home and kind of think about that decision. So that's also available that evening. And um, if you are unable to go to the game, um, if you if you call 219-462-2112, um, you will reach the offices of um, the DCS social worker that will be at the event, and she would love to have a conversation with you or invite you out to talk more about foster care. Very good. Kylan Loddick, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, chat with us here on Union Street Hoops. And we look forward to seeing you Friday night, Monday night, and every other night the rest of the season here as the Valparaiso Crusaders get ready to tip off the 2017-18 season at the Arc. That's great to have Kylan Loddick on the program. Again, Crusaders Care, shedding light on foster care, free admission, Monday, November 13th, Valpo versus Trinity Christian, Donate a nightlight or a stuffed animal, and you can get a free ticket to get into the game. For more information, call 219-464-6114. Again, 219-464-6114. And uh, one ticket per donation per person. Foster families can bring their foster care license and get in free. Now excited to bring back to the program... I've been listening to Todd Eichau broadcast games dating back to the 90s. Uh, it's, it's excellent to have Todd on the program, and he's going to talk a little bit about the team, but also a change in his responsibility that he has this season. Joined now by a special guest to Union Street Hoops. You all know him as the voice of the Valparaiso Crusaders, Todd Eichau. Todd, thanks for joining hey, today. Hey, Paul, excited. New basketball season. Um it's been already kind of an exciting football season so far, and I love the carryover into basketball right now. It, this is the day of the season opener. Is this like Christmas morning for you? It's a neat time of the year. Um, there's a little feeling of it's a, a super special day. There's going to be like 10 days in the year that are really special, um, and this, I guess, would be one of them, along with like the Breeders' Cup, the Kentucky <laughs> Derby, the final day of the Masters, the Final Four, uh, New Year's Day, they're all they're they're good days this is a fun day i there's a part of me that wishes that it was a d1 opponent so like it could feel like a big time thing because you kind of have a feeling of what's going to happen tonight but i still think in the manner of how it's going to happen should be exciting and and we'll get to some of the the players and all of that it's a new feels like a new era at valpo but part of the new era is moving to the missouri valley conference and part of that new era is the broadcast setup uh, I actually had a chance today to tour the new studio that has been built in the bowels of the ark, so to speak. I don't think I can say the dollar value, but it's more than a lot. And uh, of uh, of all this equipment, and and talking to Ron Blatz, the uh, broadcast manager and streaming manager at the university, is telling me about about everything that this 
kind of setup can do. From your end now, you kind of are doing a split where you're going to do some home radio games on WVUR and streamed online, but you're also going to do some of these ESPN3 games, which now has to be separate. What's the challenge that you have with this? Well, uh, I think from my standpoint, I'll be doing more of basically kind of just, just TV at times, which is something I don't have as nearly as much experience with. Uh, even when we the games were on the Horizon League network, uh, they were also simulcast on the on the radio, so it was more of a radio broadcast. Over the last two years, though, kind of worked at making it more of a, a video broadcast as opposed to a radio broadcast. Still being descriptive, but not quite as descriptive, and still referring to things that you see on the screen, even though I know some people are not seeing the screen. So that was a little bit of a challenge to try to um, find the happy medium there. Uh, now it will either be radio or video and uh, this the streaming broadcasts are different and uh, fortunately I've got I don't know like 80 years of experience so <laughs> I, I kind of have a feel for how to make it different um, you know years ago I did some stuff on, on ESPN 3 and I worked with a friend of mine who helped me get games and, and Peter Rudman who was a longtime director of ESPN broadcasts and I had sent him some tapes and just looked. I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing more streaming stuff now as well. And I did, I did a game that he actually directed it down at Purdue. And he said, you know, there's one main difference. He goes, just don't talk as much. There can be empty pauses as the game's going on and let some of the crowd get into the game. And, and uh, you don't have to just always say the exact spot on the floor and, and things like that. Um, and you don't have to always mention as soon as the ball goes in the hoop, you can say something about the shot. There's just certain little subtleties, and uh, maybe it'll be a little bit of work in progress for me as the season goes on to really work on those ESPN3 broadcasts to make them not sound like radio broadcasts. Uh, but I think now through the Horizon League Network and doing games where I kind of transformed it over the last couple of years, where they weren't strictly radio broadcasts, it probably makes it a little easier going forward on the ESPN3 broadcast. It'll be a unique challenge because the games where it's an ESPN3 broadcast, you're going to be doing the TV. But I suppose if we want to call it maybe the not the bigger games, but the, the handful of games that are on CBS Sportsnet or on ESPN mm -hmm. or ESPN2, you'll shift back to radio. Love and it. Where you got to be a bit Love more descriptive it. then. Well, not only that, you got to be more descriptive, uh, but the ESPN3 broadcasts, you can't be as biased. Yeah, exactly. And you can't be as excited for a Valpo basket. So the radio broadcasts are going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I remember on, on, on the Valpo message board last year, a couple of people saying, well, I really like Todd on the radio broadcast on the away games because he lets he can be himself. Yeah. Where yeah. the ESPN3 broadcast, in fact, I had, um, I'd say it was Matt Loddick's wife last year come up to me and she said, you know, I, I, I love the broadcast and everything, but, boy, some of those ESPN3 games, it sounds like you're almost cheering for the opponents. <laughs> I said, well, we're supposed to be We're supposed to be non-biased on those uh, Is ESPN3 that a challenge? broadcasts. And um, I think it's a little bit of a challenge, um, but, you know, it's kind of a simple thing if you really concentrate yeah, yeah. on it. And uh, I think, like, I would go back and I would watch – some of the broadcasts from some of the other teams in the Horizon League last year. And I honestly think, uh, my unbiased opinion is that our ESPN3 broadcasts, or going back even to our Horizon League broadcasts, were probably less biased than almost every, everybody Absolutely else in the Absolutely agree. I, I think most of the other Horizon League broadcasters on those ESPN3 broadcasts last year, the Horizon League Network the year before, or what have you, I did not think that anybody was really trying to be unbiased in the broadcast. And there's going to be some bias that's going to flow over. But I think over the last couple of years, we've done a better job of kind of making them as, you know, a little less biased than most. I've listened to hundreds of your broadcasts, and I've never heard you say, we got to do this or we got to do that. Right. You, if the right state games, oh, all of them were like that, you know. And mainly it's the color guys that are doing this right. a lot of the time. The Northern Kentucky guys were, I mean, it, it was them against the world, it felt like. It was, uh, it was unique. But, yeah, you're right. So when, when you call Valpo Missouri State, you know, you've got to be – you know, down the line, and sure. uh, and that'll be an interesting challenge. Let's talk about the upcoming season. Again, 
The, last year was the first year of the Matt Lodick era, so to speak, if we're going to put the word era. But we feel like we put era on everything now. It feels like this year, though, is the real start of a new kind of feel here. It's a fair, it's a fair assessment because you had such a veteran team last year and the players were uh, most of them recruited by Bryce Drew. And now you look at the roster and you look who the key players are outside of Tavon Walker and Max Joseph. Basically, the other, all the other key players are are Matt Lottick players. Um, so it's a, it is a true transformation. I mean, Kari Evelyn will be in his first year, Joe Burton in his first year, Marcus Golder in his first year, Parker Hazen, Malik McMillan. You've got guys who will be high-rotation players, big-minute guys. I mean, you, those five guys could all play 15 or more minutes, and some could play 25 or more minutes, and they were all recruited by Matt Lottick and his staff. So it's, it's a completely different team now uh and it's an exciting time uh and i think i always go into this we talk about biases and i always go in and and probably i have maybe a little bit too much bias and excitement that's just normal it's just like the the normal like the packer fans out there who go into each season thinking they're going to play in the super bowl even though uh they're one aaron Rodgers injury away (laughs) from being six and ten well let's hope that doesn't happen (laughs) But I, I, I look back, so every year I have these conversations with my mom. And and she loves Valpo basketball, and they come to some games each year. And uh, my parents, they'll watch the ESPN3 games a lot if, if I'm on. And then the away games, they still don't understand why I'm not on the ESPN3 <laughs> broadcast. It's very confusing <laughs> for them. But anyway, every year we have the same conversation, and, and, it, and it almost always goes the same way. Like, how's the basketball team going to be this year? And I say, really, really good. And I say, you say that every year. <laughs> and I say, well, you know, we've had a lot of really good years. But even going back to 10 years ago, I would say really, really good. And then we weren't that good. So uh, I think we as fans all sort of have uh, a heightened expectation of what's going to happen. However, saying all that, after what we've seen through these two exhibition games, how could you not have a heightened expectation of what, of what there is? It's, tremendously a de- it's a tremendously deep team. Uh, you have a abundance of guys who can make three-point shots. You have an abundance of athletes, and you have an abundance of guys who can really defend. Um, I know we're moving up to a, a stronger league, but without Wichita State, I mean, let's be frank, how much stronger is it? A little bit stronger, but it's not like we're going into the Big East here. Um, I think the league is wide open. Uh, I look at as I look through the rosters and who's back from last year, there's like five teams that realistically could win uh, the Missouri Valley Conference Championship, and Valpo certainly is in the mix. Absolutely. Let me ask you that question, though. It was on my list of questions to ask you. Does it feel like Valpo's getting to the party at 1 in the morning here in the Missouri Valley? Um, I mean, maybe a little bit. Like, I've gotten to some parties at 1 in the morning. They're still fun. Yeah, but maybe a little bit, but let's look at this realistically. Illinois State's a great program. Northern Iowa, despite what happened last year, is a great program. Um, There are teams that are on the rise. Loyola's really recruited well. Looks like they've got the right guy there. They're in a city where there's abundance of players. And they're starting Uh, to get those players. They're a better program than UIC. And they're a better program, certainly, than they were when Valpo played them in the Horizon League. Exactly. By a lot. Um and then there's other programs which, which have history, like Bradley, which has great history. Southern Illinois, Evansville. Um, these are teams that are maybe lower half of the league, and they are teams that within the last 20, 25 years, some last five or 10 years, have been 25-win programs. Um, so not only do you have teams or programs they're at a, probably a higher level than almost everybody in the Rise League, but even the bottom half of the league are programs that have nice arenas, that have a nice fan base, uh, that have had great success in the past, that could very well, with the right luck or one or two players, become 21 programs again. So overall, it's a better league. Um, it's still a very good league. There's no Wichita State, there's no Creighton, but it's still a step up from the Rise League. What you've you've talked about, a handful of these players, we've had conversations about them. I want to touch on one player who I know that you're a big fan of that is going to start on Friday night and may not start 
much this year, but Max Joseph is a guy that I know uh, is somebody that we've talked about and I've talked a bit about on this podcast. When you look at Max, what do you see? Number one, he does great impersonations. <laughs> and I always like hanging out with guys who do great impersonations. They put a smile on my face. No, and also, He does do great impersonations. He imitates me and just about everybody else. Um, he's a glue guy. You need a guy like this on your team. Um, somebody who will wi- is willing to give up a- everything for the sake of the team. Won't take bad shots. He won't turn the ball over. Uh, he'll force turnovers. He almost over- will never get scored upon. He's an elite, elite defender who doesn't hurt you offensively and uh, puts the ball in the right spot, can play multiple positions. Uh, he's a very, very valuable player. Now, if you had 12 Max Josephs, you would struggle to score enough points to win games. But when you have guys like Joe Burton and Tavon Walker and Bakari Evelyn around him, he's a great fit because he does a lot of things they don't do, and they do a lot of things that he won't do. So he's a good fit. And one thing that's great about putting together a basketball team is not having guys who are all the same. You know, have guys who are three-point specialists. Have guys like uh, Evelyn who are looking just to distribute the basketball. Have a guy like Parker Hazen who brings great toughness and the willingness to sacrifice himself and show a great work ethic and be able to score around the basket and be able to do various things out on the court. Uh, Have a guy like Jay Soroya who can defend the paint and can score when needed. It it looks like, and we haven't had a big enough sample size, but it looks like a real good mixture of guys who should be able to play together. When you look at Bakari and Joe Burton, uh, Bakari Evelyn, I've been saying Evelyn for 15 months, and now I find out it's Evelyn. Uh, when you look at Bakari and Joe, you're a bit of a, a Valpo basketball historian. Anywhere in the last 25 years, do these guys compare to anyone you've seen over over time? Wow. They're, well, Bakari's um, game, it's pretty obvious, is most similar to Keith Carter's. Yeah. Now, Keith was a, an elite defender, and we haven't seen enough of Bakari to say that, but the reports are he's not as good a defender as Keith Carter, and that's not a, a slight on him. Uh, folks who were down at uh, Nashville a few years ago saw Keith Carter completely shut down Cameron Payne, who became a first-round draft pick. Um, Keith was an elite defender, but their offensive games are pretty similar. If they're left open, they'll probably make the open three, and they really have a great feel for how to get the ball into spots where their teammates can attack, whether it be an open three-point shot, whether it be going to the hoop. Uh, Bakari maybe even sees the court better than Keith, but that would be the most similar comparison. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Joe Burton's game, I would probably have to go back to maybe Casey Schmidt to see that similar type game. That's 25 years about the same size. Casey was an elite athlete that people forget about because he was such a great shooter, but he was an elite athlete. Joe Burton, people, what they've seen so far is this guy's an elite shooter. He's also an elite athlete. Um, But their games are similar. Um, They can play the three or the four. Uh, They have beautiful-looking jump shots that are very, very similar. Uh, They're stronger than you would think. They're more athletic than you would think. Uh, that would probably be the guy whose game I would compare the most to, unless you can come up with somebody else in the last no, 15 years. That, Sean Huff, maybe. Sean Huff was the one be. that I th- would think about as I was watching Joe Burton play Sean Huff. At, but Sean Huff was never asked to be yeah. even the number two scorer on the those, team. I think those three players, Joe Burton, Sean Huff, Casey Schmidt, their games are pretty similar, really elite shooters. Uh, Sean was a great shooter. I don't know if he could shoot the ball like Joe and Casey, but close. I mean, Sean was a great shooter. Uh, and, again, his athleticism sometimes was overlooked because you looked at his game and he looked so smooth out there and could really shoot the ball. Uh, but we'll see some highlight reel dunks from Joe Burton. We saw Valpo fans who have been around for 30 years saw highlight reel dunks from Casey Schmidt 25 years ago. Uh, Casey was maybe a better rebounder than those two. Um Sean was a pretty good defender. Joe Burton has the athleticism to be a good defender. The jury's out on that yeah, right yeah. now. But Joe Burton can really shoot. I mean, he can, his shot looks flawless. Um, 
and I've watched him in the gym make 10, 12, 15 straight threes like like nothing. Uh, he figures to be like a 45% three-point shooter, and that's very rare. Really? Very rare. For a guy his say, size, I mean, that, yeah. That's, that's a lofty goal, but I would not be surprised if he shoots 45% uh, from three. And I think Casey Schmidt had a, a season where he was around 50% the entire season. That's very, very unusual from three. And the line's a little further back now, by the way, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, foot, a full foot further back, but... But those are, the, I guess, the guys who I would compare those two guys to. Valpo's got a, a freshman power forward from a small agricultural town. Yeah. He's going to start. He's a, kind of a workhorse. Comparing, and I, I wrote about this on the NWI Inside View Sports blog. I wrote about this. Parker Hazen, I don't want to compare him to senior year Alec Peters. Yeah. That's unfair. It is unfair to compare. But... Freshman year, Alec Peters, does Parker Hazen have any of that in him? He's not going to be asked, I think to your point, not going to be asked to do as much. No, and, and Alec averaged double figures freshman year. Parker's yeah. not going to average double figures this year. I look at Parker, actually, as most similar, and I've thought about this in almost every way, to Dan Applin. Um, you know, Dan came in, was not a great three-point shooter, but he was a workhorse, and he worked at it, and he brought toughness and he knew how to score, and he knew how to read, uh, rebound, he knew how to compete, uh, but he was not an elite shooter. I mean, Alec came in, he was an elite shooter. Uh, and I think Parker and Dan Oplin, a little more athleticism uh, and a little more ability going off the dribble than Alec ever was. Alec got really good at it with hard work, and by senior year, Alec could score every which way. That, that's what made him so great is his ability to score besides just being a great three-point shooter. But Parker's game is most similar to Dan Applin. How that transforms over the next four years, we'll see. If he becomes the player that Dan Applin was, we've got one heck of a player. And I think he's got the ability to do that. And remember, Dan came in, was a little slow start. That was Scott Drew's one year as head coach. Yeah. And Dan actually played behind Kikas Gomez. But by sophomore year, Dan Applin was an all-conference caliber player. And I think Parker has the ability to do that by sophomore year. Another freshman on the team that people in Northwest Indiana should be familiar with but are probably not because he was never really a standout at Merrillville is Malik McMillan, a guy that, that really not until the the summer before his senior year kind of blew up on and blew up is even a small term because his recruiting wasn't very sought after. But what do we see from Malik? Well, he has been the biggest surprise in a positive way because he's ready to play right now and there was talk about redshirting no him. doubt about it when he was signed uh and i had conversations with the coaching staff he's an elite athlete he's got an elite body he's got to get better at the basketball skills athletic athletic wise and size wise he looks like an nba player i mean he's a six eight you saw the one dunk he had in the exhibition game that's an nba type dunk you watch an nba game and that's the type of play you see that's how elite he can be. He went overseas in the offseason, in the summer. Uh, he grew up as a player. Uh, he's got a tremendous attitude. He's a tremendous team guy. Uh, you got to find a place to play him. Obviously, he's not going to play 20 minutes or 25 minutes this year. It's just not, there just doesn't appear to be the minutes out there for him. Uh, but who knows? The sky is the limit on this kid. He could be a real force uh he's already made two threes in the exhibition games i mean i don't think anybody expected that uh he's going to be a tremendous rebounder and a tremendous defender and like i said about max joseph here's a glue guy who doesn't have to score 15 points and have 10 rebounds uh to be a an elite player or a guy who can really help you get wins here's a guy who maybe by junior year is averaging 11 points eight rebounds and guarding the best front court player on the other team and never hurt you. Yeah. And if he becomes that, what a valuable tool he is. Maybe he'll even be better because you look at his skill set, the ability to shoot, the ability to take the ball off the dribble, uh, with his strength and his size, he's going to be a great rebounder, his work ethic. Uh, I mean, I'm excited about him, and I think the coaching staff is as well. I want to ask you about one more player here. We're not going to go through the whole roster, but one more player who – 
had some ups and some downs last year, and he really looked good in the first exhibition game. And I know we've talked about him before. Micah Bradford, where does he find minutes on this know. team? I don't know. Let's see what happens. Uh, if he plays like he played uh, in the game against Robert Morris, he's got to play some. Um, and I asked uh, Matt Lodick on Valpo Basketball Weekly this week, how many guys can you play? And he said, let's see how it falls. It's a great problem to have. Um, I know at the beginning of the season, Mike is going to play. And if he plays well, then he'll keep playing. Uh, if he doesn't, there's other guys out there who are going to take those minutes. Mike has got to play better than he played last year. Um, Mike has to be more consistent. At times, he played well enough to be in the rotation. At times, he didn't. If he plays up to his capabilities, and another guy who played overseas here in, in the summer, and he looks bigger. Uh, he's got to become a 38 to 40% three-point shooter. He has to be. Last year he shot 29%. He cannot shoot 29% yeah. on this year's team and be a 15-minute rotation guy. He can't. He's got to make 38 to 40% of his three-point shots, and he's got to avoid the turnovers, and he's got to play up to his capabilities. He has a ton of ability. He he's looked got, great. He's again. got the ability to make shots. He's got the ability to get in the lane. He's got the ability to score at the hoop. He's got to do those things. And if he does, he can be a valuable asset on this team. I'm looking forward to see how it works out. I love the kid. I'm rooting for the kid. I want to see him play up to his abilities. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you one more player. Pick one, any random guy that you want to talk about that you think is important to, to this team that we haven't really touched on yet. Uh, Jay Soroya. He could have a monster breakout here. Last year, I think he hit a wall in the last three weeks. Of the season. That was clear, yeah. I think recharged, re-energized. He's not going to play in the first two games. Uh, he has a ton of ability. Uh, he can score with his right hand, with his left hand. He can score with a hook shot. He can score at the basket. He can make a 15-footer, and he can really defend. What more do you want from a guy who's 6'11"? I mean, what more can, could you absolutely want from a kid playing at a mid-major school with those abilities and that size? He should be an elite player. I want to see what happens over the next three years. If he hits his ceiling, best offensive five-man at Valpo since who? Since Rydis Grouse, for yeah. sure. That's, that's no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, and he, and I said this from day one, he reminds me of Zoran Viskovic, so, who was an elite, outstanding basketball player all conference player uh led valpo his senior year to the conference to winning a conference championship he played well in big games he played huge in that old miss game that bryce drew makes the shot people forget how great zoran viskovich was jay soroya has very similar skill sets to zoran viskovich and hopefully he'll become the player that zoran was for entertainment purposes only what's your over under on wins for valpo this year uh, i haven't really Delved into okay. game after game okay. after game. I'll say 24. 24? Yeah. Is that too many? There's a lot of non-conference wins in there. There are. There, there are, are. going to be a lot of non-conference wins in there. And I think you'll be well over 500 in the league. You win 12 league games maybe. You win a game or two in the in the league tournament, maybe three games in the league tournament. You win. I think 24 is fair. That's that's higher than I've had, but that's uh, – that. When it comes to Valpo basketball, a lot of times I think – Number 24. <laughs> That's a fair number. So, all right, Todd, thank you very much. And we look forward to uh, to hearing your calls uh, on all the away games and then uh, and then watching all of the, uh, you know, hopefully everyone will be at the games at, at the ARC and uh, and then watching back. You can uh, go back and you can rewatch the broadcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining us here on Union Street Hoops. Thanks, Paul. Special thanks to Kylan Loddick and Todd Eichel for joining us on this episode of Union Street Hoops. Excited for another season at the Athletics Recreation Center. I think it's going to be a fun night tonight at the Arc as Valpo plays North Park. It should be a fun night on Monday as Valpo plays Trinity Christian as uh, Crusaders Care shedding light on Foster Care Night at the Arc. These first two games, I don't know that they're quite going to be Robert Morris-esque, 117 points. Maybe I'm going to be wrong, but I think Valpo will have no problem on either one of these two games. Be curious to see players such as, as Todd mentioned, Micah Bradford. He'll he'll play. He'll get some opportunities here early on. Uh, Matt Lotta had stated, you know, M M Micah Bradford missed the 
Chicago State exhibition game with a foot injury. Matt Loddick mentioned earlier this week that he expects him to play. John Kaiser should make his debut after suffering a broken nose not once but twice during the preseason. It'll be curious to see in the early stages of the season how Coach Loddick maps out the minutes for these players. How many players is he going to be able to play? And as they get through, you know, the first couple D1 games against SIU Edwardsville and Southeast Louisiana and play, and teams like that, how many players will they play in those games? And then when you get to Indiana State and Missouri State at the beginning of conference play, does the rotation shrink a little bit at that point? So I don't know that we're going to learn a lot about the Valparaiso basketball team over the next 80 minutes of basketball that's going to be played at the Arc but I do think there will be more chance to see some of these young players gel together on the floor. And look, it's smart scheduling by Valpo. You can criticize it all you want, but and, and Valpo can tell you all they want, that they didn't schedule the games this way so these players would have their suspensions met. Or no, whatever. It, it, that doesn't matter. There's two non-D1s on the schedule. I'm glad Valpo's getting them out of the way early. You get to sit these guys, and you get 80 more minutes of court time together before the games really start to count in earnest. We'll see what happens at the arc. I think it's going to be exciting basketball. And then Wednesday, SIU Edwardsville, not a top half team by any stretch, a game that Valpo should win, but it'll be a good – you're training this team. That's the thing. As Matt Loddick said, if you go to ValpoAthletics.com and you watch their season preview video, Matt Loddick makes a great point. Last year's team, the first day of practice, could have rolled out there and gone out and played a game. This team, not so much. They've got to build. It's a process, and you can't shortcut that. And part of the process for Valpo will be these early season games. be very interesting to see how things start to unfold over the first couple weeks of the season. Todd Eichau's over-under is 24. My over-under is 18.5. Victories for Valpo this year. Uh, We'll see what happens here. So, Hope you join us all season long on Union Street Hoops on iTunes, NWI.com. Follow me on Twitter, NWI Oren. You'll get lots of Valpo basketball updates, and you'll get, uh, you know, all sorts of other stuff. The occasional Green Bay Packers depression tweets that you'll see from me. This is going to be a tough weekend. If the Packers lose to the Bears on Sunday, I'm probably shutting down all my social media accounts, and you'll never hear from me again. So it's been nice knowing you guys be the first time in what nine years that the Bears are favored over the Packers the first time in 25 years or so that the Bears have had a better starting quarterback going into the game uh I'm 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 the tears I'm crying right now just thinking about how this is going to happen and knowing that Matt Loddick is a Bears fan and he never hesitates to uh to throw some shade my way Monday at the Ark may not be the place that I want to be. So we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Come say hi at the Ark. Let me know who you want on the program as we get ready for the 2017-18 season. Take care, all.